Welcome to the Christina Crow podcast, making the invisible visible. I'm your host, Christina Crow. I'm a psychotherapist and a relentless mental health advocate right here in Ontario, Canada. These episodes are where I'm going to bring you my insider insights and research-based straight facts on modern mental health. In each episode here, I'm going to bring you the ideas that will help you and your loved ones dig a little deeper to make all of the invisible things visible. Let's connect some dots together. A gentle reminder that this is not therapy and I am not your therapist. If you need more one-on-one support or treatment, please do check out the links posted in the show notes. Let's do it. Hey everybody, I've got a solo episode here for you, a short little nugget talking about procrastination when we have ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. You know, one of the things that is really hard to do is to give people one thing that they can take away that's going to solve their problem. And when we're ADHD therapists or coaches on social media, you know, that's that's kind of one thing that gets asked a lot. The reason I can't give you one thing is because what I do when I work with people and, and all ADHD therapists, I imagine, do the same thing, is that we really have to customize what intervention or plan or strategy we're coming up with to you. The reason for that is because no one's ADHD is like anybody else's. So, you know, the origins of ADHD are the same for every human brain that is born, but the way it ebbs and flows and shows up and is impacted by your environment and the experiences that you have in your life become different. So believe it or not, there are actually people with ADHD who don't really have a problem with procrastination. They have other problems, but that might not be one of them. And, you know, telling somebody with ADHD to just do something is kind of as toxic as telling somebody with a clinical mood disorder to cheer up. So we don't do that. It has to be said, just because you procrastinate, it does not mean you have ADHD, okay? Lots of people procrastinate for reasons that have nothing to do with a neurobiological condition that they're born with. Uh, But if you have ADHD, and you procrastinate, it's not the same kind of procrastination as people without ADHD. It's always more intense, more worse, a little bit more derailing, and there could be different reasons behind it. So if you do have ADHD, now that we have all that stuff out of the way, you'll know that we are masters of task avoidance, and task initiation is really hard for things that are boring, right? We have no problem starting tasks that are um, interesting, things we're organically interested in, but boring stuff, forget it. Uh, We're such masters of avoidance that we might not even know that the thing that we're enjoying doing, like, I don't know, maybe me doing this podcast in all of my spare time, might actually be a procrastination strategy. That's something I'm going to have to talk about with my therapist. (laughs) So when is procrastination a problem? If it's pretty much a normal human behavior across the spectrum, you know, this kind of goes for a lot of symptoms, quote unquote, in mental health, like all things. Um, What gets in the way of you living a functional and balanced life. And once you identify it, you can't seem to find a way to consistently not do the thing that derails you. That's when we want to talk about it. Okay. So in my clinical practice, 
I, I see lots of people who don't have ADHD, and I see lots of people who do have ADHD. Across the board, I find people who struggle the most with procrastination are quite emotionally exhausted just from life, and they're also chronically overwhelmed, and that's more of an ADHD thing. Uh, people without ADHD also get overwhelmed, but it's not like the overwhelm that people with ADHD experience, and it's really hard to describe. But if you've experienced it, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Many people are actually just like literally low and the neurotransmitters our brains need to light up with focus. Often our adaptive and survival adept brains will use the pressure of an impending deadline to force action. So for any of you that have not written your 20 page paper until the night before and somehow you actually managed to get a decent mark on it might not be a mark that reflects your potential but good enough you know you're you're who I'm talking to the burst of adrenaline when we need to focus that comes from waiting until the last minute is something that we've adapted involuntarily as a strategy to deal with the fact that we didn't even have enough uh, of what we needed to focus in the first place um, adrenaline jump starts the activity levels in our brain by fueling the dopamine pathways in our brain to fire. You know, is that a problem to be solved if it works for you? Well, when you're young, I guess maybe uh, it's not a problem to be fixed potentially because you got nothing else going on. So you can stay up all night and write a 20 page paper. But the next, you know, decade comes quick when you might be getting married and having kids and people depend on you and you might not be able to stay up all night. Uh, you also might not have developed the skill that allows you to deal with changes to your schedule. And when something takes you off track because you had carefully planned out the moments of time when you needed to get things done because you did leave it to the last minute and something prevents you from doing that, the emotional dysregulation for you that might result is is making life not functional and might be really affecting your relationships too at that point. There's also a lot of people doing things for work and studying things in school that they really have no interest in. Why are they doing it? I think that's a great question, right? Um, a lot of young people are studying things in school and going to school because someone else wants them to do it. So to get a break from the pressure of trying to study something that is incredibly boring to them, they dive into things that are interesting to them and there's in all, you know, their spare time, which leaves no time for doing the important or adulting tasks of life, which are probably paying attention to the things that they're quote unquote supposed to be paying attention to. So if this is you, I, you know, I gently suggest that procrastination isn't actually your problem. It's more of a red flag, a red herring, but maybe there's a message from the universe in it that needs you to pay attention to what you actually are spending your time doing. The obvious solution is to find work in school subjects that organically interest you. Uh, you won't procrastinate when that's the case, but I know that's easier said than done. The solution generally doesn't involve, you know, downloading a time management app, guys, or learning strategies for self-control. 
you know, all that stuff that's out there, the planners, unless it's specifically made for an ADHD brain, they're made for the typicals. You can leave it with them. Um, it has to do with managing our emotions in a new way. And that's hard if you have executive function challenges because flexible thinking is an executive function. So even being willing to consider doing it differently is a sign you're doing better than you think. And for any therapists that are out there listening to me, here's my therapist hack. Whenever you are working with somebody who is like digging their heels in, kind of refusing to consider a new perspective, A, you might be going too fast, but B, that's actually a demonstration of a symptom that we, you know, might more commonly refer to as rigid thinking. Just because you consider different perspectives doesn't mean you're compelled to act on them. So let me say that again. Just because you're thinking of different things doesn't mean you need to do anything about it. So sometimes people are afraid to even think the things because they think that will mean they need to do something about it. <laughs> um, so when people aren't even willing to consider different perspectives, that could be an executive function, dysfunction, red flag. It's generally accepted that we procrastinate or struggle to start a task for a couple of different reasons that are, that are both emotional and you know, biological a little bit more distinctly um, in origin. We can procrastinate because, you know, our brains are unable to effectively regulate, then process or understand our body's own emotional signals. So we get stuck. And what it looks like on the outside is avoidance. We automatically look for something that can relieve our challenging feelings in the present moment. Um, there's a neat study from 2012 that found a relationship between stress and self-compassion and procrastination. Procrastinators had high stress and low self-compassion, suggesting that self-compassion provides a buffer against negative reactions to the stressors in our life. We also know that self-compassion supports motivation and personal growth. Not only does it decrease psychological distress, which we know can cause procrastination, but it also boosts motivation, increase our self-worth, facilitates emotions like optimism, um, noticing our own innate wisdom, curiosity, and initiative. So self-compassion as a commitment to meeting our challenges with acceptance and kindness rather than rumination and regret is a tool that will allow you to ironically do more. It's funny because I think people, when I talk to them about self-compassion, you know, the image that conjures up is taking your foot off the gas. Well, if I'm kind to myself, I'm not self-flagellating all the time, then, you know, I'm, then I'm really going to fall off the rails. And in fact, that constant pressure on yourself actually has you perform worse, as this study kind of confirms. And being kinder to yourself actually allows you to perform better. Getting people with ADHD to engage in self-compassion exercises is one of the hardest things to do in therapy and one of the most transformative. Um, yeah, just leave that one there for you. Sometimes when a task feels overwhelming, like, you know, for example, I, I don't know, say you want to do a bathroom reno, you know you got to do it, it's been put off for so long and now there's a leak, right? The actual multitude of all of the steps involved in making that happen from beginning to end can be quite kind of overwhelming. The chemical in our brain that allows us to feel like that's a doable thing for us is dopamine. There are studies that show that dopamine fuel our ability to attack uh, cognitively complex tasks. So 
if we don't have enough dopamine, if we've got ADHD or norepinephrine or access to it or our brain able to use what we've got most efficiently, then what happens is that it looks like we're a quitter. You know, if, if something seems overwhelming and you know, you know you can do it, everyone around you knows you can do it, but you can't work up the, uh, like the oomph to get it done, that's actually something going on in your brain, right? So try breaking it down into chunks. Sometimes you, you'll hear people talk about chunking. Um, and then just doing the next thing. So don't worry about the whole project. Just do the next step. And if you focus on only one thing at a time without pressure on yourself for completing it by a certain date or something like that, that actually helps regulate and make things a little bit easier to deal with. Another thing you will hear a lot of adults with ADHD talk about a lot is that they have to be in the mood to do something. So we have a history of waiting to be in the mood without having really paid attention to the conditions that helped create the mood in the first place. So, you know, because we don't pay attention to things. One of the benefits of being on ADHD medication is being able to notice all the things that we didn't notice before. And at first that can actually feel a bit overwhelming because it's, you know, it's a lot of information coming in in a way that allows us to pay attention to it rather than come and go and come and go and come and go. So one of the things I encourage people to notice are the conditions that allowed them to function better in the past. So anytime you functioned better in the past, what was different? And you don't need to wait to be in the mood to do tasks if you understand how to create the conditions that put you in the mood in the first place, right? And being able to consistently do that is what the meds allow you to do. It's not that you don't know the things or you've not tried this before, it's that you've tried and not been able to be consistent. And that is the benefit of the medication, is the consistency. Um, you know, one little tidbit is that dopamine is released in your brain in anticipation of a reward. So it's not like actually when you get the reward or the survival thing or the good thing you did that brought something good into your life, it's actually anticipating it um, because of a prior experience. So it, it actually is a learning tool. So cleaning up the kitchen might not be intrinsically motivating for you, but the feeling of being a functional adult, free to get on with other pleasures in your evening, might be. So if you try focusing on how you feel when you're finished cleanup, rather than how annoying it is to have to clean up after your messy kids who should be cleaning up after themselves anyway, uh, that might make it easier to just get it done. You know, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of little hacks. You can try and make distractions inconvenient, right? So delete all the social media apps from your phone. So, you know, you eventually put them back on, but make yourself do a browser login. That's super annoying. Uh, enable two-factor authentication for all of them so it takes longer to log in. Scroll on social media in front of people more likely to tell you that you're on the phone and, and they might point it out to you, not with people who will see that you're on your phone and they figure, well, you're on your phone. I'm going to get on my phone too. That's not helpful. Um, do things like set yourself up for success the night before. So if you want to go to the gym before work and you're not a morning person, go to sleep in your workout clothes, man. Set out all of your next day clothes the night before. Put your medication beside your toothbrush. Make your lunch the night before. Um, whatever you can take off of your plate that taxes you at a time when you're not fully awake yet, for example, is a favor that you can do for future you. You can actually visualize future you being grateful that you did that the night before. That's kind of a neat 
um, dopamine releasing visualization you can try as well. Um, one other thing that I've talked about before is like people with ADHD treat every distraction that comes up in the day with fairly equal urgency. And so as such, everyone else's problem becomes their problem and they never get to their own to-do list. So they're the first to list off all the things they have to do for other people and how busy they are and how many things they have to do to make sure things happen and none of the things are for themselves. You know, well, let me be the first if you haven't heard this yet. You're allowed to prioritize stuff for you. If you have more than three things on your daily to-do list, I don't mean like brushing your teeth and taking a shower. I mean like extra tasks. You've, you've got too many. Like we have to be realistic about what a human should need to be able to get done in a day. And if you're trying to do too many things, maybe it's we need to outsource a bit more like are you really the only person in your household that can do x y and z um you know those are all those are all workable problems tend to your health if you feel like you're treading water every day and really struggling it's not maybe supposed to be this hard and if it's just been this hard for so long like you don't even remember what it feels like for things not to be hard maybe it's time to talk to somebody Talking to a professional that can help you understand what's going on with your brain can be just quite a relief, right? If you pay attention to the negative self-talk in your mind, like if that voice in your head was a little TED talk, would it be motivating to listen to you all day long? <laughs> no wonder we're like depressed and anxious and feeling defeated. Um, you know, starting to be mindful and mindfulness practice is like an excellent tool. I tell people sometimes to pretend you're in your own reality TV show. Like you're in your kitchen and you're the camera person filming yourself. It really strengthens that muscle of learning how to be the observer of yourself. And the more you practice that when you're calm and in your everyday, the more it becomes a tool that you can intentionally pull on to try and get some emotional regulation, some distance when you need it, when you are triggered or upset by something. The final thing I will say is that, you know, you are not an island unto yourself. There is nothing heroic about doing everything by yourself. So you've probably had to do it by yourself because you probably grew up in a family with other people with undiagnosed ADHD, which means there was inattentiveness all around. It has nothing to do with whether you were loved or anything like that. It just is what it is. And so if you had to be self-sufficient too early, or you were, you know, too responsible or over serious, all those kinds of things, you know, now's an awesome time to look at that again. Becoming an adult is not just about being self-sufficient, but it's about understanding how we're interdependent with other people. We have to rely on other people and allow ourselves to do that. We just have to pick the right people. <laughs> so figuring out who the right people are to trust and rely on and allow ourselves to lean on are important developmental tasks of adulthood that, that never end. So talk to other people that you trust after you've figured out how to figure out what your trust criteria is about how you're feeling. Um, you know, one simple litmus test is <laughs> trying to figure out who you trust is people who don't make you feel shittier about yourself when you're done talking to them, right? People who, when you're done talking to them, you feel better. People who help lift your mood. Um, not in a toxic positive kind of way, but people who just generally reflect back the good things. Those are your people. 
So get help from others who also seem to be doing it well. Don't be afraid to ask, how do you do it? Like it's, Jesus, it's been so hard lately. How are you doing it? People love talking about that kind of stuff. So hopefully that's helpful. You know, started off talking about something that seems like a specific problem, like procrastination. Why am I not doing my, my homework or whatever? But as you can see, there's a lot underneath that surface, right? So there's a lot of things to peel through, which is why I can't just give a 15 second TikTok answer to someone specific asking me for a specific tip because the answer is it depends. Um, hopefully that gives you a little bit of background into the way I would approach it and look at it and unpack it with somebody to customize a response that works specifically for where somebody is at based on their values and goals and what they want to achieve and how they define function in their lives. And that is it for today. So love your feedback, guys. Thank you so much for all of the support, all of the emails and comments and, you know, voicemails that we get that tell us what you appreciate about this show. This show is not like, I'm not getting paid for this, guys. Like, this is not a podcast we're doing because I'm trying to make money or anything. It's, it's literally a mental health service to make really good information, I think, more accessible to more people. And I think it's important for registered psychotherapists in Ontario to be able to have a voice like this. And I like, you know, I know so many cool people and that's how I like bringing them on. So that's it. If you love it, rate it, leave us comments wherever you listen to podcasts, because that's a, a really nice thing for, um, for, for us to see, for me to see, and to help know what more you want to hear about. Okay, that's it, guys. See you next week. <laughs>